Yeah, it's dope. Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Uh, I am Caleb. We have Rhiannon. We have Adam. We're all here, and we are going to talk a little bit about Venom 2 and what if, and yeah. First of all, how are you guys doing? Adam, I'm dying to know. Viewers don't know. You went to Disney World. How'd you feel about it? Good. Generally good. Generally good. It was good. It was great. It was a workcation, so there was certainly work involved. The times I wasn't working was best, better than the times I wasn't working. Um, they had obviously they had a lot of 50th anniversary stuffs on on Main Street USA. They have a dedicated 50th anniversary store, and that was just insane. Rad House. If you've seen the TikToks, there's people pushing each other for their two two items per skew, um, all sorts of stuff they were reselling on eBay. Um, but no, it was a good time. Um, exhausting. I couldn't imagine taking kids because I. Um, took the magical express with a whiny little kid i'm like wow if that was my kid i would not like this trip at the moment <laughs> um but no it was good first time at disney world i'll uh i don't know if i'll be back interviewed one of the imagineers behind both cosmic rewind and then star cruiser um and the one question i wanted to ask they won't answer which was why is this hotel seven thousand dollars for two nights? Um, <laughs> because and, it's a fully immersive experience. Oh, then. not seven thousand dollars worth. Give me a break. It's everything I saw. I'm like I be immersed in a lot for seven grand. Yeah, like caviar, for example. Yeah, <laughs> in many, like, something. Like, no, the caviar wasn't where I was going. But. <laughs> I better get yeah. I better get something for, for seven grand. Um, we'll see. I mean, it looks cool. It looked like it looks like a cool experience. I'll never pay that kind of money for for something like that. Uh, Cosmic Rewind looked dope. I'm not a huge roller coaster fan. We got some sound bites from that. It's the world's longest um, indoor roller coaster. The Guardians will be involved, um, and they're even doing like this outdoors part to the the ride to make it an experience. Um, they're doing the other world pavilion type thing and they may or may not actually have Zandarian food. One person said that they were treating it like an actual spot on the Epcot around the world or whatever you want to say. Yeah. And another person yeah. says it's its own thing. And I think that person was probably trying to give me marketing talk to kind of boost it up as it's the first of its class. I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, there's there's what's happening at Disney World. Everyone kept talking about Tron for whatever reason. So apparently the Tron ride is the next big thing. Um, once the 50th anniversary gets out of the way and Tron gets up and going. Oh, yeah, because I think they have one at Disney World Japan or something like that. A Tron ride. Mm. Or something. something like that. Um, the coolest part is the Droid Depot. I built a droid, which was really cool. I didn't even know it was like an RC type thing. Yeah. Um, and then I got building it, and then I the person in like the stall next to me was moving there. So I'm like, wait, it moves? It's surprisingly affordable for everything else at Disney yeah. World. 
Like that's, so, that's what caused my thing. Like I thought it was like, just like a elaborate Funko or something where you could choose the head of the thing, but it's like an actual RC thing that moves and talks and you can give it personality and stuff. So I'm like, why? I don't get why it's still so cheap, but yeah, we've got, we're going this fall, hopefully, you know, assuming everything goes well. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've got one kiddo that wants to do the droids and the other two are going to do a lightsaber. So, um, the droids are definitely more affordable than lightsabers. I feel like at least they feel like they're a better deal. You doing well? Doing well. I'm having like the complete opposite. Like Adam's off at Disney world. I'm in Brooklyn, uh, dealing with hurricane Ida because hurricane Ida not only devastated Louisiana, it came up and it hit New York city pretty badly. Um, and we had some massive flooding and there were a few, um, there was a lot of people lost their life and lost their homes. And so I've been working on that for like 11 hours a day, six days a week. Um, up until the end of the day tomorrow when I'm taking a few days off to do something even more exhausting. Yay. Yay! Comic-Con. I keep forgetting that that's happening. I'm going to be there. <laughs> I know. I'm like, you're coming, right? <laughs> yeah. Saturday. I'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll be at Comic Con. I haven't looked at the schedule or anything. Um, my my buddy helped me, like you know, hey, you need to go sign up for panels now because you have to reserve a seat at panels. Right. And she like did all that, and then she canceled because she was you know, scared of COVID. So yeah. I will be at Comic Con. So if you're at Comic Con, save Daredevil, folks. We have swag. I kind of expect that I will uh, get there get lunch first, walk the floor for an hour, just to see all the different little things that are set up yeah. and then hang out with you for a little bit and then go home. <laughs> I'm not yeah. Really <laughs> yeah. I have some sort of panel schedule. You're on Saturday. I don't know. I haven't even looked at it. Like I said, I, I think I just started downloading the app uh, right before we started the podcast and I'll figure it out Thursday. I'll go to the con. I'll figure out what's going on and I'll be there. Excellent. Next year, when they have uh, the first episode of Daredevil on Disney Plus showing at New York Comic Con, will be a good time to do it. Yeah, yeah, then I'll have a party. You cool. guys will have to go to the Scout Comics booth and buy all of the two show comics that they'll have. Oh, I, I will. I think Caleb and I should meet at the Scout Comics booth and just stand there talking about how awesome the show is. You should, yeah, so that other people like get excited. Because the big deal of the show is Andy Serkis is launching a book with Scout Comics. So Mm. they are releasing that there. So there should just be people talking about the show at the Scout Comics booth because who cares about it, you know? Uh, Adam Barnard, Andy Serkis, either or, you know. I'm probably the worst person to be there because people be like, S-Show? What's this? Do you have something called S-Show? No, no, that's just cool. (laughs) I actually have my show Kickstarter that i never opened the package like you sent me the package and then i never opened it i did send you the package yeah i I saw caleb's was open because caleb went post the picture of the butt oh well whenever (laughs) i I open it is i did post pictures on twitter but you know however you want to look at it yes thank you for the pictures caleb (laughs) that obstructed the beautiful butt beautiful button is there a button in here what no oh, button. no but, like full moon but like rear end but caleb oh. did post the picture of the bare ass 
Okay. Well, when I get this open, I will take pictures at some point. I'm not opening it now because you taped it really heavily. And then we'll talk about scoop. Show scoop? No, under embargo until tomorrow morning is Mountain Mountain Dew Uproar. Ah. Strawberry kiwi flavored Mountain Dew exclusive to food line stores. Man, it tastes phenomenal. The thing that I am most excited about that you've been posting about Sprite Winter Spice Cranberry Zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well done. Go. So it's yeah, like cinnamon and cranberry. Is that right? Well, they've always had their cranberry thing. Um, right. And then a couple of years ago, they did add the spice to it, the cinnamon stuff. And now they have zero sugar, only available in two liters, too. So they must figure that the two liters going in the punch bowl or something i don't yeah, know yeah yeah it just goes in a punch bowl that's what all of the stuff you're talking about just should be mixed with alcohol of some sort yes um when does a mountain dew stop being a mountain dew because i mean like i would think that a mountain dew is like what defines a mountain dew at this Definitely. point just the logo yeah okay. the logo and 200 well that's i shouldn't say the calorie count because they do have some decent zero sugar stuff but um yeah i don't know you have two questions you ask afterwards. Is my heart palpitating and is my A1C just rise by half a point? And if both of those are true, you had a Mountain Dew. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Like, I mean, like I look for it when I need caffeine and for some reason I'm not drinking coffee or tea, but I was just wondering. We just got to be careful. Adam is totally at this point in the pocket, a big Mountain Dew. So we gotta, he's, yeah. he's like the Mountain Dew reporter. Like he reports on two things, <laughs> Save Deer Double and Mountain Dew. That's, those, those are my two beats. That's really <laughs> my two beats. I don't know how I got here, but I am here and I get paid to do it. So here I am. So we here should probably talk my... about comics since we've been doing this for 18 minutes now. Um, <laughs> So let's talk about Venom first. Uh, Adam, I would love to hear about how much you liked Venom. This was good. It was good. I liked it. I probably liked it a little less than I thought I was going to like it. But um, it felt refreshing that they didn't go a super serious route. I think they understood what worked best in the first movie, and they fully embraced that and then treat it um, the same way. They embraced the campiness. They embraced the... Uh, just flat out ludicrousness it wasn't even i mean i like most of what donny cates writes but it's all doom and gloom and we've seen that stuff before so give us something else with venom and the direction they took um the character was was really good and they aced it the second time around you know they made it a creature feature they they did the whole um, midnight movie monster madness stuff with Carnage. I thought Woody Harrelson killed it. Um, I don't think he got enough screen time uh, as he should have probably um, for being a title character. Um, and then Shriek, they could have removed Shriek from the movie completely, and I don't think it would have changed any. But no, I think it's uh, it was. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and apparently, a lot of other people did too because it is. Saving the box office. I wonder, yeah, the the box office has been interesting because there's just, I mean, there has to be a good movie released every week right now because they're making up for a year of nothing. 
you know, all those movies that were being held. Like it's just every week there's something really awesome to go see. Um, yeah. I noticed that because there were trailers and so far through this post COVID time, it's like, oh, well, there's a one movie every two or three months I want to see. And given my relative COVID comfort level, it's like, all right, I'll risk it going out into a crowd once every six weeks or whatever. And I was watching the trailers. I was like, oh, I want to see the new Bond movie. That's next week. Oh, I would really like to see Dune. Oh, that's in three weeks. Oh, and then there's that new Disney one that's two after weeks after that. And then Eternals is in between those. And then Spidey is coming out two weeks after that. Like, and it was just, it, they really are starting to pile up pretty quick. We didn't yeah. even get the uh, Spidey trailer ahead of them. Did you guys? Yeah, it was the last one right before for us. But I I got the Spidey trailer for whatever movie I saw before this one, which I don't remember what that was. I've gone to the theater a lot. Um, crap, what was, what was the movie before? Oh, Shang-Chi. Yeah. I got the spider trailer before Shang-Chi. I did not get it for this. I got the Dune trailer. Yep. Dune and, and Kingsman. Kingsman was subtitled, which was unique. Hmm. Oh, like they... like closed captioning? Yeah, closed captioning. Yeah. That's bizarre. Hmm. They're British. We can't I you can tell to me like how um how unsophisticated they think an audience is. Like you're watching American Idol. And there's just like a British person and they start start throwing on subtitles. Mm. You're like, oh, they assume their audience is too stupid to understand what a British person sounds yeah. like. I thought it was for Rasputin, but it, it started when Rasputin started talking. So I'm like, oh, maybe they're just clarifying that. But then <laughs> it carried out throughout the whole trailer. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Well, I watch everything with subtitles. I do so too. then I don't feel dumb when I'm watching like outlander and can't understand a word they say that's why i was kind of hyped i'm like man it was tough hearing venom and you know eddie tom hardy's eddie brock accent last time i'm glad we're watching this with subtitles yeah but then it stopped i'm like oh man i have yeah because i live across the street from alamo which i still hate but i go all the time because it's right there um they have movies with subtitles like if you pick the right showing you can see the subtitles i've just never made it for that but um anyways venom that movie was really short was one thing Uh like i don't know that i wanted it to be longer but i do know that like it wrapped up far earlier than i expected yeah it feels like uh muppet christmas carol waldorf and statler are sitting at the top of the christmas party it was short it was pointless we loved it That's any movie, of- right around 90 minutes gets so much brownie points for me anyways it's hard to like overcome it because what you know it's not a major loss yeah and so, uh, i know people don't like us to just bag on things so i will say i feel like the special effects really were a notch up from the first venom mm-hmm. one of my complaints with the first venom is it was just two black gooey gobs thrashing at each other behind a dark night sky so that like it was just different shades of black like squid that you couldn't even like make sense of i thought the action was directed very well the fight scenes had a good um you know they just made sense you could tell movement you could tell space you could tell like who was winning who was losing who landed a punch or not 
And I think all of that was a much crisper, cleaner, better done deal. I think this is probably another movie like Shang-Chi that getting another six or 12 months to clean up and tighten up the special effects probably helped them make a lot better movie. And so I thought Circus was a good addition um, Mm -hmm. to this franchise for sure. I I like that they were kind to the chickens. I was worried that the chickens weren't going to survive the movie. Not that I have a whole bunch of love for chickens, but like, I don't know. They, there was something about the relationship with the pet chickens that just sort of like made it special. Um, unlike other relationships that I know Caleb had issues with in the, in the movie. Um, I don't know. It had lots of little sweet. Well, I don't know. I feel like I really care for Eddie and Venom. Wherever they may be headed. Okay, so let's just let's just do that. So it's going to be full spoilers. If you haven't seen this and you care, please go. But that last scene, Did I'm going to say what know, I, were you guys spoiled on that before you saw yeah, it? Because you guys two months ago. Um, I didn't know exactly, but it was almost exactly what I expected it to be. Oh, see, I went into it completely unspoiled, and I saw it on Friday night. You know, it came out Thursday night, and it was so cool. That was like the moment that, like, I love having in the theater, where like the scene is happening, and just throughout the theater, you heard mummering, just "What the fuck? What the fuck? What the what the." what the you just like as everybody in the theater it was it reminded me of a lighter version of endgame in the theater when the snap happened not endgame but um infinity war when the snap happened um see for me there was all this like publicity they did where sony was like here's what fans are saying and they were like you won't believe the end credit I was like, okay, so if Sony's putting up the end credit, Tom Holland is in the end credit, but they're not going to really get Tom Holland. So it's probably just going to be footage from the end of No Way Home or Far From Home. And so it was like pretty much exactly what I thought it would be for me. But see, I just didn't look at all that press. So it was a big surprise for me. And like the trouble, I mean, like the the blippy type, you know, something happened to get them into a different the multiversal travel or whatever uh, I, look i'm just saying going into it completely unspoiled was really nice yeah so well and that's the part i liked about it because i think i'm well on record for saying i don't want venom in the mcu in any way shape or form but the fact that this basically confirmed that the venom verse is a universe in a multiverse with the mcu but not in the main mcu i don't know i took it as a win that's as good as it's going to get. Uh, but, but it is in the MCU is the thing. Well, it, whatever the future of it is, is now in the right. MCU. Right. I mean, but whatever happened well, before mm-hmm. is in a different universe. I guess what I'm saying is the fact that it's as much canon as Spider-Man 3 and his Venom is canon. I'm fine with that. I can, I can take that. I mean, so I mean, that's the thing. I, then, then everything okay it's just i mean that's the way i took it i took it because it looked exactly like dr strange's spell right which would mean he ripped open the multiverse which does 
go a long way in saying most Marvel stuff is canon just because it's super easier and they can bring in all sorts of people they want. Like you look at the Doctor Strange 2 spoilers and it makes sense to say essentially whatever Marvel has ever made is technically within reach. You know, it's Earth 1, 2, 3. It's Earth 3, 4, 5. It's Earth 7, 1, 2. It's, you know... I think the thing that I really want, though, is I want space so that if Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios wants to do a Holland-based MCU Sacred Timeline 616 Venom story, that there is still space for them to do so, right? uh, Sure, but I mean, Marvel Studios is tripping over its own feet with between Endgame and WandaVision and Loki and what if. So, I mean, what's, you know, where's the, that's what I don't get about the fans. I mean, Marvel Studios can't even keep its own rules straight, but then they expect Marvel Studios to separate non-Marvel Studios stuff up when it doesn't really matter because everyone's fine. Everyone's seemingly fine with what if, even though it's seemingly destroying everything we've just gotten from Loki. I just assumed that whatever's going on with Venom and Spider-Man and all of this, it was the deal Sony made so that Feige could have another Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I'm assuming like some, some of sort of deal happened. There was something that at one point was a deal breaker mm-hmm. and that they worked through. Right. It makes sense. I mean, Marvel's going towards the multiverse anyways, so why not? I mean, of course, Sony wants the MCU clout. Uh, the box office pretty much shows Sony will never relinquish the rights to the Spider-Man family because mm-hmm. they can make something like Venom 2 and get probably a billion dollars. You know? Um, as long as they're a studio, I think that's true. You know, it seems yeah. like Sony has flirted with closing down the movie studio in the last five years at points, but yeah. I mean, if I was Sony keep the studio business just to make spidey movies right just change your name to spidey from sony spony spony spidey spony Uh, man but the thing is you give venom to marvel studios and we're going to see an awfully similar movie we're not going to see king and black out of Venom. We're not going to see a super dark and gritty Venom movie. You know, like Venom going to the rave, that joke's made in every single MCU movie. You know, I mean, they always put characters in those unfamiliar positions. Why? That's why I I don't, I have a hard problem. I don't see why people hate Venom so much other than it just doesn't care the Marvel Studios logo. I mean, for me, the problem and the thing that I would think a Feige Venom would, I would hope do better. I still don't know who this character is, either Venom or Eddie. Like they have this problem that they want in both cases them to be kind of despicable and edgy and the lethal protector thing. And Venom wants to eat brains and Eddie is a screw up that like mistreats other people in his life and doesn't care about other people. But then in the next heartbeat, Venom is like a heart of gold buddy that really wants to see Eddie get the girl. And Eddie is also like altruistic and cares about other people. 
And like the, the quickness with which Venom goes to like, hey, I want to murder people and eat their brains. And hey, we should be sweet to chickens because they're our friends. I just, it's whiplash for me. I'm like, who well, are Venom's these? always says bad guys. I mean, it's always yeah, been apparent Venom it's bad guys. Bad yeah. I mean, I thought the, the, I thought this movie did a much better job than the first one about the character stuff. I mean, about making Eddie a self-loathing piece of crap. I mean, it was quick. His rapid ascension again um, that was completely off screen. Um, so what know, do Venom I, and Eddie have in common that merges them as a symbiote? I don't think we know yet. Because for me, this character is about, these are two people who are shared with one thing. They hate Spider-Man's guts. One of them is Peter Parker, one of them is Spider-Man. But the thing that brings them together is hatred. And this is just, I don't, I don't feel like I know who Eddie is. And I don't know who Venom is. I don't know why they're both a bit of outsiders and down on themselves i guess i mean it was all the movie was about venom's coming out party at the same time eddie was trying to figure out who he is i mean eddie pretty much said he doesn't know who he is without a fiance or whoever michelle williams character's name is and um i don't know i i under i thought that was a pretty poignant part to the the plot what Anne and Eddie? No, just Venom's self exploration. I mean, Venom and Eddie were both trying to find who they were themselves, you know, throughout the movie after their divorce or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I... and then they both realized that they couldn't really live without the other ones, quite literally. So, I mean, I found one of the scenes that drove me nuts was the uh, the scene where they go to the restaurant and. Um... And the and Anne is like telling him about her engagement. Cause it's like Tom Hardy would perform a line and then she would perform a line. I was like, oh, these are two actors. And the minute I started to like feel or process, it was like, oh, stupid venom joke. And it was like, just shut up. Like, just have a moment of silence in this movie for human beings to have human emotions. But like every moment that could have had any poignancy was cut through by a really bad family guy joke and the stupid venom voice. And it was just, I don't know. Every time it was like, Oh, that's right. I'm watching a dumb venom movie. It like, I am not often sucked out of a movie, but I was sucked out of this one about 18 times by why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. (laughs) You sound like you're describing a Marvel studios movie. See, but that's the thing. I mean, for me, and it's just for me, but like for me, the jokes in a Marvel movie, I know they're quippy, but they've always fit generally within a character. Like, I mean, look at Guardians like, 2. I'm surprised they didn't put a dick joke at the end because they do every other single time where Quill and Ego are fighting or Quill's trying to fight Rocket or, or something like that. There's, there's always a joke. That's why, I mean, they probably get kudos for not putting a dick joke at the end at Yandu's funeral. Well, and the thing is, I would actually agree with you that the Marvel movies that run the closest to this thing that bugs me is James Gunn Marvel movies, right. where it's like you don't have to throw another eight jokes in that, you know? I really think Andy Serkis did a really good job with what he was dealt to. You know, I would like to see him back 
his uh his vibes are really good it really reminded me of something i don't want to see from like uh like a Hellstrom movie or Midnight Suns or even like a other world squadron Supreme type stuff. Like the, uh, I really dug everything at Ravencroft. There were some cool angles and shots that were done there that just made it um, kind of stand out and look less superhero-y. So um, Adam, what's funny is I totally agree with that. For me, it was very hard to tonally have a scene like that at Ravencroft that I thought was great. And then cut to like the Looney Tunes thing where Venom is typing 80 miles an hour on the keyboard. Right. Like for me, that's where some of that break came of. I might have actually enjoyed a creepier, darker, gothic, like scary movie. And I guess for me, I have a very hard time going from making jokes at the convenience store with Mrs. Chen about buying chocolate to then a serial killer inside of a mental institution that's actually creepy. Like the way that bounced back and forth for me is just hard tonally to be able to get comfortable in the movie. Right. But I mean, it's, it's a PG 13 superhero movie, man. I mean, what, I mean, that's certainly something all of the um, Venom speculating collector stands want, you know, that's why they want rated R blade. That's why they want rated R Punisher. Um, they just want to see Venom rip someone in half, even though he doesn't really do that much in the comics. Um, I don't know. And, I mean, at the same time, Scott Derrickson told us that Doctor Strange 1 was a horror movie, which it very much was not. You know, so. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it was spooky and it gave us, it, it has so, I, I mean, the numbers don't lie. It has uh, incredibly wide-reaching appeal. Um, I mean, I guess we'll see this weekend and moving forward how much late it's not in China yet, right? Right. Um, yeah, I don't, I suppose we'll, we'll see. But at this point, I mean, it's hard to see them not doing Venom 3, which probably will have Tom Holland in it. Yeah. All right. So I have, certain, very, probably. I have a very specific nit- nitpick, and I'm curious if you guys felt this way. Uh, so I'm of the opinion that if you do de-aging technology on a famous actor, you should only de-age that person so they look like they actually looked at that period of history. <laughs> so like the opening shot was from what, like 1996 or something or 91, mm-hmm. I forget. And well, they had 96. De- 96. Okay. And they had a de-aged Woody Harrelson, right? Mm-hmm. And in I my thought brain, it was just another I, actor. Yeah, I thought it was a separate actor. All I know is my brain immediately said, I was alive for Cheers. I was alive for 1996. <laughs> Woody Harrelson did not look like that in 1996. Like that may sound weird, but like yeah. two, when they show Kurt Russell, I'm like, whoa, that's what Kurt Russell looked like back then. But that like totally the first thing off the bat drove me nuts. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I, it did notice because I'm like, wow, that actor's really good. I mean, he sounds exactly like Woody Harrelson. So I'm not sure if it was a separate actor or it was DH. I don't know. I, guess. I assumed it was a separate actor, but I had the slight same problem, Caleb. I was like, but Woody Harrelson's, you know, like he, he's a lot older than that. Well, particularly because they made him and Shriek look like they were roughly compatriots. 
Yeah. Woody Harrelson is 15 years older than the woman who was playing Shriek. Yeah. If she was 15 in that mental hospital, he was 30. Okay. (laughs) Like, that's creepy. Yeah. And Woody Harrelson in, in like the later stuff, he looked old and bad like worse than i thought woody harrelson currently looks like they made him look older than he is now yeah to me yeah well and and it's weird so i enjoyed his performance i think i struggled a little bit because it's you know it's similar to i said venom i think there's a couple ways you take carnage like you can make carnage just an agent of chaos who's just evil to be evil I think you can make him sort of a a sadist that just enjoys making people hurt. I think you can make him a rage monster that is just angry about what's happened to him. I felt like this movie kind of picked and choose. Like at one minute, he was just like maniacal, crazy, evil dude. Ha ha ha. And then the next minute he's like, yeah, but I was abused as a child. And I was like, that's a real heavy theme to be throwing in this movie that was making jokes about chicken brains earlier. Like that was just another mm-hmm. place that tonally was difficult for me, but yeah. I mean, you can't have 90 straight minutes of child abuse. <laughs> I mean, what's, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to make the whole movie about just abuse. No, Are I'm you talking about that, carnage but... or Cletus? I mean, I think they did a pretty good job that they needed to iron out Cletus's stuff. But I mean, carnage was just, mad that he existed i think right wasn't that his whole deal yeah i i guess what i'm saying though adam is as much as i didn't like it like a hellstrom to me a hellstrom still had a it had a tone that made sense and this movie was a little bit like they did some of the stuff from hellstrom and then threw it together with some looney tunes stuff and that's just where it very much just falls apart a little bit to me and I got it. I think to make it a commercially successful movie, you can't be that serious and dark. But to me, then you scrap that cartoon, you scrap the stuff about him killing his grandma, and you just say, he's he's just a straight up psychopath. Like there's just, he's just messed up and he's evil. You don't have to understand it. You don't have to like him and like yeah. play into him being a cartoon character. I didn't need to know about killing the grandma and all of that. Like, yeah, it was weird to throw in. But it helped to see just who he killed because we didn't really, we didn't see him kill anyone. We saw the one missing body. We didn't get, ever get like a body count or a body toll. Right. So that does, I mean, he killed his family. That's how much more gross do you get than that? You know? so, I agree with that. But that to me was also one of the frustrating things. I felt like the first 15 minutes was just way too much exposition and not enough showing. You know, it was like, Oh, by the way, since we've last seen you, Eddie became a loser. Oh, by the way, he just broke a big story and now he's not a loser anymore. Like there was so much that they had to set up and so much that they did with like the history between Venom and Carnage that like, it it was a little bit to me like Batman versus Superman that like the first 20 minutes had all these like plot points that went boom, 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 boom with basically like news footage to like get us caught to where they wanted to go. And to me that I don't know if I wanted it longer, but if they'd put another 10 minutes in the front of it to actually show us like serial killer Cletus before he becomes carnage, I, I would have been okay with that. 
did you guys get a sense what maybe i just missed it why did cassidy want brock to be his reporter because he was the only reporter that would take his story i think at the end of i can't remember why they met at the end of venom one but they had established that relationship before so we'd have to go back and look at venom one to see why they met in the first place yeah because I just felt like there's two or three lines of dialogue where Brock said something like, why did he pick me? Or why did you pick me to do this? And I was like, Oh, that's a very interesting thematic question. And then there was something about like Eddie's mom died in childbirth. And like, there was some like allusion to that and the guilt and like a way it connected them. But I couldn't tell. I like, I, that seemed like new information to me. That was out of left field. I struggled to just like put all that stuff together. I didn't think about it that much. <laughs> this this may be my my problem. I should think far less about Venom movies. Yeah. Adam, um, what do you, if they do a third one, where would you be excited? I mean, do you just want to see Venom versus Spidey or? Yeah. Or something. I mean, they're, Venom and Eddie are on the run. So something about where they become the lethal protector of some municipality that needs it and Spidey arrives to save the day because Venom's hurting people or, or something like that, I guess. Um, you know, I could see a situation where Venom sees Spidey on TV and says, oh, he looks cool and that's how he gets the Spider-Man on his chest or the spider on his chest to kind of mirror what Spider-Man does. Um, there's, there's a couple of popular stories where Venom's actually in the jungle, um, which it looks like that's where they were at the end. I don't think they gave us an actual location um, until stuff switched around, I guess. So I don't know, man. I'm not sold on the fact, I mean, maybe Venom's part of the Sinister Six. You know, he hasn't given us any reason to believe that he's a villain. Um, But I would not be surprised if he's either in there somehow, whether it's like a multiversal glimpse or another post-credit scene or, or something like that, you know? Um, but at this point, I mean, it's just hard to, hard to fathom Venom 3 without Tom Holland. We know Tom Holland has um, one more crossover on the MCU side after No Way Home. Well, we don't know what his deal with Sony is, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm really not trying to be negative. I'm, I'm really curious what you guys think. Given how generally positive that Venom has been in these movies, that he's been the hero of his two movies. I, I mean, that's a harder place to write out of, right? As far as it's easier to take a villainous Venom and kind of make him a hero than mm-hmm. it is to take one who's been a hero for two movies and now somehow put him at odds with Spidey? Or is that just how I'm looking at it? I mean, he's been a vil- he's been a hero slash antihero more than he's been you know an antagonist to Spider-Man really. Um, I mean, f- as of late, he's been a flat-out superhero. You know, from his Guardians, his time with Flash Thompson on the Guardians to you know the latest iterations, he's he's certainly a hero. Um, so I don't I don't think he's ever going to be a villain. I don't think he needs to be Spider-Man's villain. I just think they need to be at odds. Um, 
I mean, Iron Man was kind of sort of antagonistic in, in Spider-Man 1, right? Um, certainly not to the point of Vulture, um, but his views certainly didn't align with those of the protagonist. So I don't know. I'm not, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's the type of deal Spider-Man and Venom are hunting down the same person or someone's hunting Venom down and Spider-Man comes and saves the day and Venom and Spidey team up because we do know um, Craven movies also on the document. Um, I don't know. There was only the mid credit scene, right? I left after that. Yeah. So just- did I. Yeah, Rhiannon, do you have something to say about that? Like, how you make this heroic guy be against Spidey? No, I mean that was the one thing was when Spidey came on TV. They said they hate that guy. So, there's been a lot of question about that. Like, they've never even met Spider Man. Why would they hate him? Unless they're connected through their symbiote mind to the Topher Grace version from Spider-Man 3, you know? Yeah, I've I've seen that theory on the internet. Um, Otherwise, I'm not giving it that much thought. Yeah. Adam, I totally agree with you that Venom has been both in the comics. I just think you move one way easier than move the other. I think you start with a villain who has a change of heart and people can accept their redemption story. Mm-hmm. I think it would be far more difficult to have an audience who are like, hey, he's been the good guy. And then, hey, Spider-Man, he's a good guy. And then go, and now they're going to hurt each other, go after each other. Like, well, that's I just, why I said maybe it's not a versus movie, you know? I mean, maybe they're hunting down a common person, you know? I mean, it, we see this crap of Batman all the time, you know? It's, uh, it's a ton probably tired and in a trope but i mean maybe they're i don't even know what other chameleon or who else haven't we seen from spidey's rogue gallery yeah i mean we haven't seen craven yet um i mean i I agree i hear you i'm just saying like oh like rhiannon said that last scene venom clearly was showing animus against spidey and given that people love Spidey, like it's just it's a weird place to put a titular heroic character into. That's all. Hmm. And I'm sure they will explain that with three. You know, I mean, I love that theory where, I mean, we know it's the hive mind, and he said however many years of the knowledge and stuff. And I mean, there's the whole um, world building of the Clintar or Clintar you can uh, uh, get into. Um, I mean, Marvel hasn't even scratched the surface with that type of stuff. Um, you know, would they adapt King and Black for Venom 3 and make it like uh, Sony's Endgame? I don't know. You know, maybe, I mean, Craven's an active development in a couple of Morbius. What else? Um, maybe they do something like that. Um, and Venom 3 is the Infinity War Endgame of the SUMC or something like that. All right, you guys want to talk about what if for a few minutes? Yes. Before we finish up. Rhiannon, what have you been thinking? Uh, I mean, it's been a while since we last talked. We've had Party Thor. We had liked, something else. I don't know. I liked Bro Thor, and I think, I think, Party Thor will be far more important for the people that binge these straight through. 
<laughs> where it's like everything is awful everything is awful everything is awful oh finally something's not awful um right before you go into what are even rules ultron i think that's what we should name ultron like we forgot all the rules ultron (laughs) um yeah no no so yeah so i loved i loved thor um i love that we finally see what everything you know what the big the next ones and i guess this podcast will come out after it's already released but the next one's going to be where it all comes together and we get whatever we get yeah somehow there's going to continue the story dr strange is back i think captain carter's back and thor is back and t'challa's back but also they're introducing gamora and the thanos armor somehow so okay um yeah um i don't know i mean like the final the final ultron thing you know even one of your little girls pointed out like stuff that didn't make sense yeah you know if vision could slice thanos in half why didn't venom venoms uh, what venom Venom. vision slice thanos in half i've (laughs) I've mentioned the 11 hour days, six days a week. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, if he could do that, why didn't he do that? Um, if, I don't know, why didn't Ultron just snap his fingers if he thought all of the living beings had to die or all of the humans had to die? If Thanos could just snap his fingers, why couldn't Ultron do something similar? Um which the only answer to that I've gotten is Ultron must just really enjoy killing. Um, yeah. Cause the other major answer would be like, Oh, well the snaps though really damage the host, but then it just upload his consciousness into a different body. Why is that a problem? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean like why did Hawkeye and Nat survive? Do we know how they survived all the nuclear blasts? Just cause they were in the Quinjet when they happened. Mm yeah okay i don't know that much about nuclear weapons i don't think being in an airplane is going to save you if that yeah no no i would not make that your plan um i'm not an expert in that stuff either but that seems like a bad place to be um yeah so i mean like i feel like the ultron episode was one of the most like thing you know the i don't know i guess it's the one that they make you think about like i guess when it comes to the zombies and stuff, who cares if 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 things don't entirely make sense? But this one like had to make sense because it's giving us this big culmination of all of these universes. And eh, eh. I feel like Ultron for me was the Taco Bell of episodes. As it was going down, I was like, "Oh, this is good," and then I woke up in the middle of the night going, "Oh, wait a minute!" <laughs> like. I just, it was, it, there were, there were logical problems. Adam, do you have any thoughts on how, what if's going? Well, you guys pretty much said it, you know, I said it the last time we recorded, but I, I, I'm a firm believer this show is created solely as a vessel for consumer products. Yeah. Um, party Thor. I mean, I could have done without the party Thor episode. Cause what did we get out of it other than, Oh, Hey, look, here's a Thor who parties, which is really similar to the Thor we got anyways. I got a reminder that Loki is a frost giant. 
which right. makes me go back to my complaints about the Loki show. Right. Um, I mean, part of me wishes this Ultron episode was like the first episode. And then they introduced all of the guardians of the multiverse or whatever they're called um, before they team them up. Um, and the last one, and that's, this is, I mean, this is the episode where, where I say that Marvel studios trips over its own thing. Cause I mean, Loki just made it a point to say the infinity stones don't work in other universes. Right. Um, well, we talked about paperweights. Yeah. And, well, they're in the TVA at least. So like, is the multiverse different than TVA? And, it, but right. I admit it's confusing as all get out, but it's, yeah. And that's the thing. And then you have, um, AC Bradley saying, um, you know, going on Twitter and saying the Infinity Stones work because they are from Universe X and Ultron's also from Universe X, so that's why they work. So Bradley at least subscribes to the idea that the Infinity Stones don't work in opposite universes as well as the TVA, you know. So it's just like well, that doesn't make sense because then you would have all sorts of bad people from across the multiverse, which is now infinite timelines, trying to get into the TDA and someone somewhere can, you know, um, just because it's infinite. That means there's probably infinite number of people that can go into the TVA and get their infinity stone back. And what it all says to me, I think we can say at this point that Feige and Marvel do not have definitive answers to some of these questions as things are written and from their perspective they don't have to answer the paradoxes until they become a problem again in a future narrative and so at this point you shouldn't ask the russo brothers or marcus and mcfeely or ac bradley or any of those people how to fix these things because the answer is they have personal answers in their head but those are not necessarily what's going to happen in the universe because feige's giving himself wiggle room to change his mind down the road i'm not even sure if he's giving himself wiggle room i mean it does it it's the type of thing that doesn't matter anywhere else besides the marvel cinematic universe um that's the type of analysis you know you it comes with the uh territory i guess but then at the same time i mean you know it's not i don't know but i I would say i mean this is where i would get on to feige and crew though they have built their success in part on creating an interconnected universe that has an understood set of history and events you know there's there's plenty of comic book movies that have played fast and loose with continuity and said who cares watch an x-men movie but that's not what Marvel is, and it's not how Marvel's made their money. And so for them to have built a cohesive universe that they've sold to people for 25 movies and then get to something like this and just kick the can and go, eh, I don't know, it's something. Like that to me is disingenuous to how they've gotten where they've gotten. I mean, it's only going to get worse. As I mean, imagine Multiverse of Madness and yeah. when they eventually do start introducing other people, you know, I'm not going to say the spoiler, Dr. Strange 2 spoilers, but right. th- it's coming, it's happening, it's going to happen. We've seen it with What If, uh, we saw it with Venom too. So, I mean, it's going to happen. And the easiest answer is, I mean, it's just let it, I guess, just let it happen without answering all those questions. You know, there's a lot of people who don't want Venom in the MCU, but I guess, you know, what, what's, what's the hurt, you know? 
the people that made Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame don't agree on the time traveling rules. So it doesn't really matter, you know. Why why does it matter that every Marvel thing ever is canon? It doesn't matter. All that's saying is is Marvel Studios can use whatever they want at any point. It's I don't get what that hurts. You know, they're already using Venom 2. Um, they already have a pretty good relationship with Sony. Um that way, I mean, I, I, whatever, man. Right. You know, it's just the, the stand work and all that stuff. It just make everything. It hurts zero people. I mean, saying technically everything's canon. There's still the prime timeline. There's still all this. There's still Earth six one six. There's still all that. It's just whatever, man. You know. I mean, and it's just you know everybody was like, oh, you know, like comparing these to Marvel Television. In the end they're going to mess up as much as marvel television when it comes to all of this stuff and the tie-ins and everything i i can't believe we have this much multiversal stuff of different rules you know because clearly right now the thing in everything for marvel is the multiverse i cannot believe they didn't sit down before they started all of this and say okay here are the rules here's what we're going to follow. You know, I, I can't believe there's not a person employed with Marvel that's not manager of the multiverse. They and, said they did meet, which doesn't make sense because nothing makes sense. I mean, I think, Adam, where it matters is in that I think restrictions of rules and having some sort of bounds to this does help the drama of a show or the drama of a particular film. And what I mean by that is like, um, this is one thing I like dislike about many like magician movies is the magicians are fighting and you think, you know, the rules and you're trying to, there's a tension of who's going to win. And then all the sudden the magician's like, Hey, here's a new spell that I learned. And it's the super spell that beats everybody and they win. And you go, what? Like it's just do sex mocking the storytelling. It's like, hey, we had a conflict and we wanted it to end, so we made up an ultimate nullifier to let the story be over. And that's what I worry about with the multiverse is just that, like, I don't know, like, there was even, like, the portal scene in Endgame is within a certain set of sort of rules. And if at any point now, any Marvel property I'm watching and all of a sudden a portal will open up, and Nick Cage's Ghost Rider will come through and he's got a special power to slice Thanos in half. Like, I just don't, to me, that deflates all the pressure because at the end of every movie, you're like, well, they're going to pull a multiversal rabbit out of their butt and then they're, that's going to fix everything. And to me, that then undercuts the drama of the plots, you know? Yeah, but Marvel's also notorious for fixing previous movies with future movies. Yeah, I mean, but, they've but already built the rule. It. I mean, I don't enjoy it because it's perfect. I enjoy it because in the moment, those constraints create drama. I get that they're going to make mistakes. That's not the point. Oh, man, the multiverse just goes a long ways for fan service, and fan service is what makes money. Yeah, there's people I saying... I mean, it does. the multiverse goes a long ways for incorporating all of those recent acquisitions into your properties. Absolutely. And I hate... I hate that crap because it's like, it's just crass 
capitalistic consumerism. Like, and I know it's there and it's Mickey and that's what Mickey does. It just mm-hmm. bums me out kind of. Um, I am a little surprised that what if has, I mean, I think we knew they might combine this stuff. I think they're kind of ruining the concept a little bit. I, ruining. It's still fun. But I think there was kind of cool, this idea that we'd have an anthology series that didn't have to be connected and didn't have to work together. And then eight episodes in, they're going, oh, no, it's all, it's all, it's all together. Like, I don't know. I think that may be a tactical mistake. It might have been nice just to have something that really was standalone. But. And they're showing us everything we've seen before. I mean, what's the most original one so far? The strange one, probably. Um, I mean, Ultron wasn't bad. I mean, zombies we haven't seen before. Yeah, and I felt like the Ultron gave us a much better Ultron than Age of Ultron, so. Right, but at the same time, I mean, we just got done with all these people and we still see Iron Man and we still see all these damn characters we've seen before, which looks like that's going to be the norm going into season two as well, even though we'll have Phase 4 movies, you know, Shang-Chi and Eternals and stuff in season two. But Um, I would say on the other side, that last episode of what if is the best Hawkeye thing ever. Like I liked Hawkeye way more in what if episode eight than I've ever liked Hawkeye and anything else. So did they even explain why he had a metal arm? Uh, I don't know. It got cut off somewhere along the way. It's post-apocalyptic world. Stuff gets weird. Along the way. You put something like that in Venom and people are going to gripe over it and pour over it. And be like it's a plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> Venom 2 with the missing arm plot hole right there. All right. Cool. I've got to get kids to bed. Is this good? You guys good? Anything else you yeah. want to talk about? Yeah. Let Rhiannon sleep for a little bit. I've got to, I've got to entertain the cat so that I can go to sleep. Yeah. She's, we'll, be, she's attacking me. we'll get together at some point to finish What If and then I haven't kept up. I would assume between Doctor Strange and Spidey, there should be another trailer in the next two or three weeks, I would think. But maybe not. There's... Okay, we've gotten all the Eternals trailers we're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, TV spots are hitting now, but... Yeah. TV spot today, I guess, showed some of Makari running, and I yeah. love the speedster effect. It actually looks like something different than Flash or Quicksilver that we've seen before. So that's cool. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks for listening to the show, guys. Uh, we appreciate all your support. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can. Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, give us a good review on iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. That'd be awesome when people see it. Also, follow us. I realize Spotify does followers on podcasts. And we have a couple not nearly as many as we have listens but you know wherever you're at with your podcasts let the algorithms know that we're decent or something um thanks for interacting with us uh on social media and stuff and we'll see you guys later bye